Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. All right, well, let's get into God's word. Let's get into the thing that will set us free. God's word will make us free. And the word that I have for you today is the cure to unhappiness and pain. And that word is perspective. Perspective is the cure to unhappiness and pain. Someone said an optimist stays up until midnight to see a new year every new year eve and a pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves. The difference between an optimist and a pessimist is how they look at something. They're looking at the same thing. The issue is how we're looking at it. What's going to make your life better? What's going to make your life great is not a new month or a new year, a new husband or a new wife, but a new way of looking at life, a new way of looking at dark times, a new way of looking at dark moments. It was really dark in Genesis chapter one. And God saw all the darkness, but he said light. He saw darkness, but he said light. The perspective changed. His way of looking at things was he had power over the darkness. You need to realize that darkness cannot scare you when you realize you have power over the darkness. You know, one of the powers you have over darkness is to flipping the light switch on. One of the powers you have in darkness is putting your flashlight on your phone on or one of the powers that you have over darkness is speaking God's word and speaking light in the midst of darkness, just like God did. And it's really important that we get this whole concept of perspective, because I've been drilling down on a, a chapter of the Bible in Mark chapter eight. We've been drilling down on this miracle that happened when this man was was blind and he was a blind beggar and Jesus touched him once and then he touched him again. And I want to talk about that second touch or continue to talk about that second touch that we've been talking about for several weeks now, because the first touch in this case, the first touch was the gift from God to see. But the second touch was the gift of God to see as God sees the first touch that Jesus gave this man was the gift to see. The second touch was the gift to see as God sees, to see as God sees, to see as God sees. See, everybody sees something, but we don't always see it the way God sees it. But when you have the right perspective, when you have God's view of that thing, however small or however big that thing is, it's always going to be small in God's eyes. It's always going to be the mountain is always going to be movable from God's perspective. The sickness can always be healed from God's perspective. The debt can always be paid from God's perspective. The defeat can always be reversed into a victory from God's perspective. Whatever is ugly in your life can become beautiful from God's perspective. So life is all about how we look at things. And this may be this may sound like something that I repeat over and over again, but it's because this is how we learn by repetition. This is how we can find happiness and freedom from pain and freedom from unhappiness through the right perspective. Even the circumstances in your life don't have to change for you to become happy. You have to look at it differently to become happy. You have to look at life from God's perspective, God's point of view. Let me give you an example of God's point of view in John, chapter 11, verse four. In the NIV Bible, Jesus said about Lazarus, he said, this sickness will not end in death. 
Now, Lazarus was sick and his his sisters had prayed to come to Jesus and asked him to come and heal him while he was sick. And Jesus delayed, didn't even go for four days. And when he got there, by the time that Jesus got there, Lazarus was dead. And yet Jesus said in John, chapter 11, verse four, this sickness will not end in death. It will not end in death. It will not end in death. Yet Lazarus died. It will not end in death. Yet Lazarus died. So either Lazarus didn't really die or Jesus was lying or he's not really who he says he is. Well, we know he is who he says he is and we know he's not lying. So what is the point? The point is, is when Jesus said the sickness will not end in death, it's because Jesus saw the resurrection before anybody else did. Jesus saw what he could do before anybody else did. Jesus saw Lazarus healed before anybody else could. It's not what he was looking at. It was how he was looking at it. He said this sickness will not end in death. Now, this might sound like a play on words, but think about it this way. The sickness included death because Lazarus did die, but it didn't end in death. You see your life right now, it may include some failures, but it's not going to end in failure. It may include some sickness, but it's not going to end in sickness. It may include some defeat, but it's not going to end in defeat. It may include some debt. It might include some financial pressure or some stress, but it's not going to end in stress or financial pressure. You see, it may include it, but it's not going to end that way. So when Jesus said this sickness will not end in death, he was simply saying from his point of view, even if death comes, even if it gets worse before it gets better, it's going to get better. You need to hear this. Even if it gets worse, even if it gets worse than what it is right now for you, whether it's physically, financially, relationally, emotionally, even if it gets worse for you, it's going to get better. It's not how it's going is how what matters is not how it's going, but how is it going to end? It might be going bad, but that's not how it's going to end. It's not it, it might be going fearful. You might be anxious, but that's not how it's going to end. It's not how it's going that matters most. It's how it's going to end. How you look at something is far greater than what you're looking at. If there's one word we need to focus on in our lives, in good times, in bad times, in all times, one word that will shape how we think, how we feel, how we react to negativity in our lives. It's perspective, perspective, a perspective of gratitude, a perspective of trust, a perspective of knowing that God is faithful, that whatever he started in your life, he's going to finish it in your life. He's going to finish what he started. But this gift of perspective is something I want us to all receive today. I want to pray that your eyes would be open to see things the way God sees them. The first touch of Jesus for that blind man in Mark, Chapter eight was he saw men like trees walking. He had the gift to see, but he didn't see correctly. Then Jesus laid his hands on him a second time and he began to see as Jesus saw the man began to see as God saw the man began to see men the way God sees men. We need that. We need to pray that our eyes would be open to see God the way he really is, to see ourselves the way we really are and to see others the way God sees them.
We need to see God the way he wants to be seen. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us and we need to see others the way God sees them. Boy, this will set you free when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you begin to see others the way God sees you, when you begin to see your circumstances the way God sees your circumstances, it will swallow up unhappiness and pain. It is the cure. Perspective is the cure to unhappiness and pain. If you if you if you are. If you don't have all the money you ever wanted, at least you have enough to have gotten this far in life. It may not be enough to get you to tomorrow, but you had enough to get to today. And for that, we can give God thanks. And for that, we can give God praise. And for that, we can shift our perspective on what we don't have in the future to what we have had up to this point. Look at what God has done. Look at what you have had. You've made it this far. Instead of worrying about the road ahead, look back and realize the broken road you've traveled on and you've made it this far. Look at how dangerous the road was in your past and you made it this far. Instead of worrying about the road ahead, be reflective and thankful for the road behind and where God brought you from. That's perspective. You know, life hurts most without perspective. Life is limited without perspective. Life becomes bitter without perspective. Bitterness comes from a limited perspective, a littleness of view. Bitterness comes from seeing just a piece of your life and not realizing that God is working on the bigger picture behind the scenes where nobody can see it and where you can't even fully understand it. That's where trust comes in. They are part is to trust. God's going to take care of the timing. We just need to take care of the trusting. You know, without perspective, life gets really too serious. Without perspective, we take things too serious. Without perspective, we we think of ourselves too importantly, I think. And not to say that you are not important, but sometimes we can think of ourselves and what we're going through as so important that it consumes us. That makes us self absorbed and self centered. You know, one of the great perspectives that we find in the Bible is the Apostle Paul, who after he became an apostle, after he was converted and became an apostle, he was put in prison for preaching the gospel. He was put in all sorts of suffering for preaching the gospel. And while he was in prison on one occasion when he was in prison and he wasn't coming out, he wrote the book of Philippians. And I want you to understand Paul's gift and the gift he shares with us through the book of Philippians is the whole book of Philippians is a book of gratitude. It's a thank you letter from Paul to the Philippian people in Macedonia who gave to him when he was in other cities like Corinth and in other places, the Philippian people supported Paul in the darkest times. The Philippian people supported Paul when he was not even when he wasn't in their own city. The people of Philippi, the Philippian people 
they prayed for Paul and they heard him preaching and they listened to his preaching. So when he was in prison, he wrote them a letter to thank them. Now, this is the kind of perspective. This is a gift. And I, I pray that you would truly receive this gift of perspective to be able to see like Paul saw in this in this case. Might we might say, well, I don't see like God sees. I don't I can't see like Jesus sees. Well, you can as you learn more of God's word and as you grow and mature more. But I think we can all agree that we can look at life the way Paul looked at it, because he was a person who who used to persecute Christians and supported the murder of Christians and wanted to eradicate the earth of Christians. But then Jesus met up with him and he was converted and he began to understand the grace of God and the goodness of God. And salvation was by grace through faith. And he wrote about that in Ephesians. And he in many of his letters, he was correcting the false beliefs and the limiting mindsets that so many people had, whether it was in Corinth or Ephesus or the Colossians. All of these letters that he wrote were usually to correct a wrong belief. But in Philippians, while in prison, he's writing to thank them. He's writing to thank them. He thanks them in chapter one and he encourages them that God is going to finish what he started. In chapter two, he tells them about the attitude of humility that all of us can have. Even in tough times, the believers were in unity and the believers were of humility. And he said, this is the mind of Christ, a mind of unity and a mind of humility. If we could get a hold of that, that Paul was telling the Philippians in chapter two that this life in Christ is a life of humility and a life of unity to not let divisions be among us, to not let our differences divide us, to not let the enemy separate us, to not let our quarrels, our strife, our offenses to, to divide us because the enemy would love to divide and conquer. Philippians chapter two is such a beautiful picture of Jesus, humility and the unity that we can have with one another. Philippians chapter three is a book that teaches us that there's nothing in our history that's greater than our destiny. There's nothing in our history that's greater than our destiny. You know, there's nothing in your history that's greater than your destiny. There's nothing in your history that has the power to stop your destiny. There's nothing in your history that has the power to limit your destiny. Do you know that? I really want to encourage you about that. We have a lot. We all have a lot in our history, but our history cannot supersede our destiny. Our destiny is going to go right past our history. Our destiny is going to take us much further than our history. And we don't have to be limited by our history, but we can be excited and encouraged by our destiny and inspired by our destiny. Boy, this is the book of forgetting those things that are behind us, right? Pressing on to the things that are ahead in chapter three, that our righteousness is not from ourselves, but it's from God. It's from Christ. We are the righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And then chapter four of Philippians is a book about joy. It's a book about rejoicing. Rejoice, I say. And again, I say rejoice. It's a book about overcoming anxiety. It's a book about how to overcome the most powerful emotions with prayer and gratitude. It's a book about God's provision. It's a book about God's power. It's a book about God's provision. At least the chapter 
in chapter four is my God shall supply all your need. Now you think about that. It's like a person being injured and yet going out and playing the best football game they've ever played and winning the Super Bowl on a broken leg or somebody, you know, that they they lost their voice, but somehow they ended up writing their greatest songs after they couldn't sing anymore. It's like when Paul is in prison because he had this perspective that life isn't happening to me, life is happening for me. Because Paul had that perspective, he ends up writing one of the most brilliant and beautiful works of scripture that we've ever seen. One of the great, beautiful thank you letters that has ever been written throughout all history. Philippians, one of the most beautiful passages of scripture, Philippians, one of the most freeing and liberating passages, passages of scripture, Philippians. And where did Paul write it while he was in prison? Why? Because God wants us to see that the right perspective sets us free from limitations and the right perspective delivers us from allowing our current circumstances to control us. And as we continue to connect the dots here on perspective, the cure to unhappiness and pain, I want you to see that the right perspective will always see problems as possibilities. The right perspective sees problems as possibilities. I want to equip you. I want to arm you with right thinking. I want to arm you with the right perspectives. I want to arm you with the way to look at things and the way to think of life. And it takes years like I've I was just thinking recently in my own life. I came up against a bad situation and a really bad whether it was uh, it was a financial situation, it was a relational situation with somebody. And I remember the temptation or the natural tendency to look at that as a problem that was going to depress me for a while until it was solved and that this was something that was happening to me that I was really, really in an unfortunate situation. But I remember catching myself and this is only recently. I remember catching myself and I said, you know what, I'm going to stop seeing this as something happening to me. And just as I've been preaching for several years, I'm going to see this as something happening for me. And I shifted my perspective in that moment. And instead of seeing my problem as an impossibility, I saw the problem as a possibility. I saw the problem as something that I could overcome. I saw the problem as an opportunity. That's really what we where we want to shift our focus. We need to stop looking at dangerous crisis situations as threatening our life and our existence and our peace of mind. We need to look at a crisis as an opportunity. And you've heard me say many times the Chinese character for crisis is the same Chinese character for opportunity. In other in other words, Every crisis that we experience is an opportunity to stretch our faith. It's an opportunity to rejoice anyway. It's an opportunity to praise God anyway. It's an opportunity to give when it's hard. It's an opportunity to pray for somebody when we're anxious. It's an opportunity to 
smile and laugh in the face of opposition and in the face of fear and in the face of anxiety. God gives us an opportunity. We need to start seeing our problems as opportunities, our problems as possibilities, our problems as not things that we just have to always get rid of. But we have to see our problems as springboards to opportunity and springboards to impossibilities becoming possible. We have to look at life as problems are not a threat to our peace. Problems are a possibility to something greater, an even greater peace and either an even greater prosperity and even greater opportunity. The people that we've heard of for years and years that were rejected and rejected over and over and over again and into their 60s, into their 70s. And then they they got the idea or then they got the breakthrough that changed their life and changed human history. Why? Because they saw their problems as possibilities rather than seeing their problems as imprisonment. We have to stop seeing our problems as imprisonment and see our problems as possibilities. During World War Two, General Creighton Abrams and his men were surrounded by the enemy and General Abrams looked at his men and declared with total confidence, gentlemen, they've got us surrounded. The poor blankety blanks, you know, he he said we they have us surrounded, but poor them. In other words, he said we are now in a position we're surrounded. Therefore, we're now in a position to attack the enemy in any direction. Instead of saying we're surrounded, we're going to die. He said we're surrounded, which gives us an an opportunity to attack the enemy from every or any direction. That's what I'm talking about. Perspective. That's seeing a problem as a possibility. There was a reward set on coyotes in Arizona. Some of you've heard me share this story and I'll share it again. Two teenage boys figured they might be able to make some quick cash. So they set out to camp in the woods hoping to hunt down some coyotes the next day. Well, during the night, they were awakened by a strange sense that they were being watched as they both slowly sat up. They realized they were surrounded by a huge pack of hungry looking coyotes. The first boy simply whimpered, oh, no, we're dead. But his buddy had a different perspective and he responded, oh, no, we're rich. In other words, they both were looking at the same coyotes. One saw them as a threat and one saw them as an opportunity. One saw them as possible death and one saw them as potential prosperity. I really want you to see that whatever's going on in your life today, you can shift your emotional, your emotional sense or your emotions. You can shift your emotions in a positive light by simply shifting how you look at the situation you're in right now. The right perspective sees problems as possibilities. The right perspective sees people not as problems to solve, but people to enjoy. The right perspective sees problems as possibilities. And secondly, the right perspective sees people not as problems to solve, but people to enjoy. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians one, verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Is that the kind of memory that you have of people in your life? I pray that you would be surrounded by people that you would be able to thank God every day by remembering them. He said, I thank God every time I remember you. What a beautiful thought. Let's pause for a moment on that. I thank God 
for every time I remember you. Whenever I remember you, I thank God. I want to be that kind of person in your life where every time you remember me, you thank God. Whenever you remember me, you thank God. I want people in my life. Whenever I remember them, I thank God. Whenever I think about them, I thank God. Boy, you can be that kind of person and you can find those kinds of people. And, you know, the best way to find those kinds of people is to be that kind of people, to be somebody that others will thank God every time they think of you. Be generous, be kind, be gracious with compliments, not flattering, but be gracious, be generous, be thoughtful, smile, listen, be, be a listener rather than a talker, be someone who listens to people going through their pain or processing their life. Be a listener. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be even. Every relationship doesn't have to be even. It doesn't have to be where they have to listen to you as much as you listen to them. Be always if you were had a balance sheet, you always want to have more listening on your balance sheet than talking. You always want your listening to be a greater, to be a bigger account than your talking, because then people are going to thank you whenever they think of you. But if you're always talking and always commandeering the conversation, <laughs> then every time people remember you, they're going to they're going to th have anxiety. They're going to stay away. Let's be people that will be remembered with gratitude that other people will think of us and thank God every time they think of us. How we see people changes so much how we see people. Jesus saw Peter through the eyes of his potential, not even in his present situation. Jesus saw potential in Peter when Peter was going to deny him three times, when Peter was the one that was cutting people's ears off. Peter was the one who sank in the water. Peter was the one that Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. And yet Jesus saw Peter's potential and made him one of his disciples, made him an apostle. To this day, Peter is revered all over the world as the great apostle, as was Paul, as was John and many of the others. But the point is, is that Jesus saw their potential. He didn't hire them or select them because they were the best. They were the most qualified. He selected them because he believed in them. And he believed in people that we wouldn't have picked because we are often somebody who God wouldn't pick. But yet he chooses to. He chooses to pick you. He chooses to pick me. We're not worthy of that. We don't deserve that. But he chooses to. So we need to make sure we we stay in a place of humility and realize that, wow, what an honor that God would pick us. And we should treat other people that way. People should be encouraged the way we treat people. The right perspective sees people not as problems to fix or problems to solve, but as people to be enjoyed. We should encourage people. We should pray for people. We should celebrate people. We should believe in people. That's what a church, a healthy church is for, to believe in people, to encourage people, to celebrate people, of course, to celebrate Jesus, but to celebrate one another as well, to be thankful for one another as well, to realize God has given us this connection 
And so you are people that matter to me. You are a person who matters to me because God created a connection with us. Somehow we're connected right now. And therefore, that gives me pause to thank God and to see you as someone to celebrate and someone to enjoy and someone to value and someone to appreciate. The right perspective sees problems as possibilities. Number one, the right perspective sees people not as problems to solve, but people to enjoy, to celebrate, to thank God for, to be thankful for. Number three, the right perspective sees the present condition through the eyes of faith. We see the present condition through the eyes of faith. Second Corinthians 418 says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And chapter five, verse seven says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. This is powerful that we would get a hold of the right perspective, sees the present condition through the eyes of faith. Like no matter what I'm going through, I see God is going to do something bigger. I see God is working on something bigger. I see that God is causing all things to work together for my good. I see that God is ordering my steps. That's faith. Even in the present condition, the right perspective sees the present condition through the eyes of faith. It might you might be in a bad situation, but you see it through the eyes of faith. You're looking at that bad situation through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of believing God, no matter what the doctor says. You're looking at that situation through the eyes of faith. I'm healed by his stripes. No matter what your bank account says, you're looking at your financial situation through the eyes of faith. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Boy, there's this great scripture about David in first Samuel, chapter 17, in the formative years of David, the king in verse 25, they said the king will give great wealth to the man who kills the giant. He will give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. What a great promise. So David asked the men standing near, what will be what will be done? I just want to get this right. I just want to make sure that I got this right. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who's this uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he should defy the armies of the living God, David said. So then they repeated to him what they had been saying and told them, this is what will what will be done for the man who kills Goliath. What would be done? The king would give him great wealth. The king will give him his daughter in marriage and the king will exempt his family from taxes. That was some pretty high motivation for David to kill Goliath. And he did. He did do that. Why? Because he saw the present condition through the eyes of faith. David had faith in the promise of God. David knew that God would reward him for believing. David knew that life would re reward him for having faith in a very difficult situation. Life is going to reward you. God's going to reward you and life is going to reward you when you simply believe and trust in the faithfulness of God. And when you trust that God is good and when you trust that his promises are going to come to pass. You see, we have to understand perspective means having faith in the midst of failure, having faith in the midst of financial stress, having faith in the midst of fear, 
having faith in the midst of whatever you're going through. And we have to refuse to ever let our circumstances dictate what we believe. I'm not going to let the fact that I'm in jail dictate what I believe about God. God is good no matter what prison I am in, Paul said. God is good no matter what prison I'm in. In fact, other times he was in prison, he started praising God and praying, didn't even care when the prison doors opened. He didn't care. He wasn't trying to get free from prison. He was trying to live free through faith in the present circumstance, faith in the present situation. We have to refuse to let our circumstances dictate what we believe. No matter what it looks like, believe that God is good. No matter what it looks like, believe God's going to turn it around. No matter what it looks like, believe that God's going to send you the right people and deliver you from the wrong people. No matter what it looks like, believe that you're healed by his stripes. Believe that God's going to meet your need. Believe that he's going to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Believe no matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It only matters how it's going to end. And it's not going to end in your present condition, in your present circumstance. It's always going to get better because the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn and it gets bright brighter and brighter until the full day. Refuse to let your circumstances dictate your beliefs. Refuse to let people become your problem. Refuse to let your your moments turn into mindsets. We're all going to have people in our life that create problems, but we refuse to let that people, that person become a problem to us. We're going to pray for them and we're going to use whatever they're doing negative. We're going to turn it around for something good and we're going to trust God even more. Because when people let us down and when people disappoint us, that's a gift because it makes us trust God more. It makes us look to God as our source. And boy, when you look to God as your source, you find real peace and you find real joy. Boy, and as we close today, let me say that the right perspective, we've already seen that it sees problems as possibilities. The right perspective sees people not as problems to solve, but people to enjoy. The right perspective sees the present condition or the present circumstance through the eyes of faith and the right perspective sees God's presence as the greatest wealth and blessing of all. The right perspective sees God's presence as the greatest wealth and blessing of all. Some people think the presence of a lot of money is the greatest wealth. The presence of a lot of real estate is the greatest wealth. The presence of a lot of this or a lot of that is the greatest wealth, but it's not. None of those things are the greatest wealth. The greatest wealth is the presence of God. In Genesis chapter 39, verse one and two, it says they brought Joseph down and sold him into slavery. And now he's a slave in Potiphar's house. But the Bible says in verse two, but the Lord was with him. Now he's a slave in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, verse one sold into slavery by his own brothers. And in verse two, it says, but Joseph was a prosperous man. Joseph was a successful man because God was with him, because God was with him. He lost all his money, but he was prosperous because God was with him. He lost all of his family members, but he was prosperous because God was with him. He lost his position and his power and his authority over his brothers. But he was prosperous because God was with him. He was successful man because God was with him. He lost his robe. 
but he was a prosperous man because the Lord was with him. Boy, if we get a hold of that reality, that God's presence is the greatest wealth of all and that he will never leave you or forsake you, you will find peace, you will find joy, you'll be delivered from unhappiness and pain, at least the pain of regret. You'll be delivered from the pain of the misery of giving your circumstances power over your emotions. No, we use our emotions and we use our faith to power through any circumstance we're facing. And faith is a gift from God. It's not even something we have to muster up. It's something where we simply employ that gift of faith to say, I trust God. I trust you, Lord, no matter what it looks like. You are with me and you'll never leave me or forsake me. Boy, I pray that you got something out of this today. If you can walk away knowing that you have the power to shift your life by shifting your perspective, to lift your life by shifting your perspective. And what is the right perspective? The right perspective is that we see problems as possibilities. We see people not as problems to solve, but people to enjoy. We see our present condition through the eyes of faith and we see that the greatest wealth and the greatest blessing is God's presence in our lives. And he will never leave us or forsake us. When we have God's presence, we have peace. When we have God's presence, we will find answers. When we have God's presence, it will melt mountains like wax. And guess what? You have God's presence because we are in his presence through the blood of Jesus. Let me pray for you, Father. Thank you for every person here that they would have eyes to see. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open. Give us the second touch to see as you see, to see life the way you see life, to see you, to see ourselves and to see others the way you see yourself, the way you see us, the way you see others. I pray, Lord, that we would see ourselves that way beginning today. Open our eyes to see as you see in Jesus name. And if you've never received Jesus as your savior, just pray this out loud right where you are. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for my sin. I believe just say that out loud. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you are the son of God. I accept you. I receive you in Jesus name. Amen. It's that simple. If you prayed that prayer, please let me know. I have a gift for you. You can download this gift, the power of a new life anywhere in the world. Absolutely free as my gift to you. If you're in the local area, come by and we'll give you one a hard copy. And if you are anywhere else in the world, please download this book for free. The power of a new life. It's the next steps in this journey with God. I love you. God loves you more importantly, and he's on your side and we're going to stay connected and we're going to stay in unity and we're going to stay in love because God loves us that much. And I'll see you at our next service. God bless.